1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, October 14th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, we are just 10 days away from Buckeyes versus Cornhuskers at the Horseshoe. And it feels damn good to say it. Yeah, this is the
0: longest wait in the history of Ohio State football for the season to come back. That's not an exaggeration either, by the way. Uh, since football started back up, we've never had a season start this late ever. So I have to say that I think all of us have officially waited long enough at this point. Um, this is something that I kind of talked about in the Buck last Sunday. It like it's hard, it's been hard to really believe it's going to be back, just because uh, everything else we've been watching has it, it makes it feel feel like it's so far away, right? You've got some teams that by the time Ohio State and Nebraska kick off, we're going to have played six or seven games, so. You know, it's a little surreal finally getting to see that we're getting close. I mean, this is the last weekend without Ohio State football right now. It's the last one. And I just, it's its starting to feel real. Like, I'm starting to go through my head thinking, all right, so what's the matchup look like? You know, it's, it's all this stuff that we've been waiting for. And when it gets here, it won't quite be the same. There won't be a full crowd in the shoe or really any crowd in the shoe. You know, it's not going to have the same pageantry, pomp, and circumstance. But the bottom line is you're going to have guys wearing those Ohio State uniforms, those silver helmets on the field playing football for the first time since December. And really, it's going to be one of those things where it all feels right in the world for the first time in a very long time.
1: It felt right yesterday. We got a chance to have a Zoom call with head coach Ryan Day, quarterback Justin Fields, quarterback coach Corey Dennis. Uh, that was there was like a flood of information coming from that. That was great stuff. Let's start with Justin Fields. I mean, the biggest change fans are going to notice from him is not going to be physical this year, if you notice any changes at all. It's going to be the mental side of the game and how he's much more of a coach on the field. Ryan Day talked about that. Justin Fields talked about that. And Justin knew the playbook really well last year, but now he's just more of that, you know, no pun intended, but that field general. And um, he's just – and that's to be expected. That's the second year – In the program, second year as a starter, he's a captain. uh, But it seems like it's above and beyond. The way he was talking about it, the way Ryan Day was going on about it, it sounds like this Justin Fields, I mean, it's going to be – we knew he'd be even better as a passer and just, you know, year two in the system and all that. But the mental side of the game is where he could really take things to the next level this year, Backs. Well, here's the thing about
0: Justin Fields. Like every, every, this is t- normal in the offseason about everybody, right? Oh, so and so in the best shape of their lives. So and so, they know the book better than ever. So and so, yada, yada, yada. The reality for Justin Fields is it's hard for him to be much better than he was last year when it comes to production. What did he have? 40 touchdowns and three interceptions, two of which were against Clemson, one of which was because a route went the wrong way. I mean, like, let's be real here. It was, uh, it was almost a perfect season. So, Expecting Justin Fields to somehow increase his numbers from last year to me is implausible because he was already that damn good. But I will say him having shown this extra level of leadership, helping push the season back into things, maybe that's that extra tiny bit we need to have to get this team over the hump and into the championship game and into a national championship situation. Uh, let's, Let's face it. What if we wanted the season back for all along? Yes, if Ohio State was average, we would have still wanted them to play football. But the reason Ohio State in particular has been so desperately scrabbling to get back to this point is because everybody knows Ohio State is a team that could legitimately win the national championship. I mean, we aren't even talking about how motivated this team is after the screw job situations that they had going on in December. It was a game they should have won. It was a game that they blew on their own volition. and It was a game that was sort of taken from them on top of it. And there's a 100 things about that Clemson game where any one of them changes and Ohio State sitting here potentially the defending national champion. So there's an Ohio State team right now that any little bit more you can get from a guy like Justin Fields, who already seems to be one of the top two picks in the draft this year, is going to be incredible because you have a team right now. And again, it's hard to not use hyperbole, but you have to compare where Ohio State is to most other teams in the country. We've had a month to watch these other teams. Uh, Clemson might be there. I, I don't. I don't think Alabama's there. To be real honest, uh, I don't really. I haven't seen anybody else who makes me go, "Wow, look at that team!" Right now, Ohio State is absolutely at the forefront of potentially winning a national championship this year. So, whatever improvements we see from Justin Fields, you know, they may not be on the stat sheet, but those may be the intangibles that help them take that next step
1: towards winning that championship. This team is stacked. Ryan Day um, was just talking about the depth on this team at so many different positions. Obviously, the one exception to the rule is a defensive tackle. And I had a chance to ask Coach Day, and I think a lot of coaches, even if it was their biggest concern, would engage in coach speak and tell you, no, you know, talk around it. We're not that concerned about it. Coach Day was very honest about defensive tackle depth. Now they're hoping to get Haskell Garrett back at some point, Teron Vincent back, but he says yes, that's the biggest concern on the team for him is depth at defensive tackle, and um, you know they feel good about their starters there. Feel really good about Tommy Togiai. but um, you know I no surprise there. But it was interesting to hear Coach Day talk about that. And one more thing, I asked him about safeties as well. He doesn't seem that concerned about safeties. Um, he definitely is more concerned about DT depth. he is about the safeties and then he talked about the depth everywhere else on the field both sides of the ball they're stacked my word not his stacked but he just said we have tremendous depth all over the field so defensive tackle is the one exception to the rule and then you know maybe the safety situation with marcus hooker and josh proctor and some of the other guys he mentioned like bryson shaw maybe that's not going to be as big of a problem as we thought he also mentioned true freshman lathan ransom so your thoughts on coach day's comments just about defensive tackle depth again not a big surprise there and maybe his a little bit optimistic outlook on the safety position.
0: Well, let's start with the good part first. The fact that Ryan Day isn't concerned about the safety position likely stems from the fact that he believes somebody has emerged to the point that they're going to be fine starting. It also likely stems from the fact that there's multiple players that are sort of at the age you would expect one or two of them to grow into a role, or they'd be on the field in a normal you know, spring football progression sort of setting. So uh, I think safety's position that i don't feel awful about you know I, I, i'm interested in Hunter and proctor do if proctor's laying out dudes like he did at the end of the big 10 championship game last year then we're going to be perfectly fine uh but the reality is there's enough young guys at that progression point where you would expect somebody to be able to emerge defensive tackle on the other hand is a very big concern because you can't hold up against the run you're in trouble right now we have tommy Togiai, but when you're missing teron vincent and when you're missing Haskell Garrett, two guys that we're going to be relied on to be big-time contributors, that's a concern. I mean, you're, you're now hoping that a guy like Antoine Jackson, who's been essentially a forgotten guy since he got to Ohio State. I mean, I remember this guy's recruitment where everybody said, it seemed like he wanted to go to OSU, but he picked Auburn. <laughs> and then he came to OSU after leaving Auburn. And then he hasn't seen the field really at OSU this entire time. Now, all of a sudden, we're hoping he's a big-time contributor. That's concerning. Um, and this isn't like there's, there's you know, some obvious guys you can move down from D-end to D-tackle, you know, like even the Rushman sort of situation is uh, not the same as it was in some past years where you had a guy like a Sam Hubbard that could bump down and sign at any point in time, you know, uh, you, to get old in people. There's no Darian Scott that you can bounce around here. I mean, it's a little bit of a different D-line, and I think they're going to have plenty of depth on the D-line this year at the end position, but Right now, we're relying on some younger guys at D-Tackle after having lost a real significant number of major contributors. I mean, let's face it, we're going to miss the Von Hamilton and B.B. Landers a lot this year. And then the two guys that I think everybody thought were a quote next up were Garrett and Vincent. And, you know, right now, we're kind of just holding our breath. Uh, I, I I put this in the bucket a couple of weeks ago of, like, who I thought the most irreplaceable Buckeyes were. Tommy Togiai is in my top two or three. Um, because if you lose him, then you have literally no veteran experience at defensive tackle. So luckily it's a shorter season. Maybe this won't be something that comes up and is as big of a deal for OSU. You know, you're not gonna have to grind through twelve or thirteen games before you even get to a playoff. You know, we're we're looking at a much shorter year. So maybe this is something that won't affect them. Maybe Haskell Garrett will shock the world and end up playing after getting shot in the face, which to me still seems implausible. Maybe Tron Vincent's not hurt as bad as, 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 as we fear. But bottom line is, is that going into this season, that is my number one concern with a bullet, is what happens if somebody rolls Tommy Togiay's ankle. Because we don't have a ton of depth
1: of experience, at least at that position right now. I'm with you. Tommy Togiay is not as valuable as Justin Fields, but he's definitely in my top five, maybe my top three. Um, I mean, he might be the most valuable player on the team outside of Justin Fields. Uh, with a, yep. as good as he, I think he's going to be a guy that plays in the NFL for a long time, will be a relatively high pick. I don't think Tommy's going to be a first-rounder. Uh, maybe he will be if he stays for his, his senior year, which I bet he will. Um, I bet Tommy will be something like a second-round pick and play in the NFL for many, many years. Um, I don't. Maybe we that.
0: need to send Dewan Jones over to play defensive tackle. He's big enough, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe he can play both ways. But hey, so, that would be yeah.
0: awesome. Just have him just who was it? Was it that Tim Anderson back in the day who played both sides on the ball?
1: So <laughs> maybe we could have Dewan one Jones go there and be like, hey, six foot nine, three sixty, just go kill someone. <laughs> just go play some nose guard a little bit. You don't have to do it every you know, they will they'll, they'll use the rotation. Larry keeps his guys fresh. Just go out there yeah. on, on running downs, Dewan, and uh just clog everything up in there. Push the center uh, back, grab the guards where you're at, let the linebackers clean up. Thank you. <laughs> I mean I remember what you know John Cooper didn't do many smart things but I do remember him using Orlando Pace as a you know goal line uh, defensive tackle you know short yardage defensive tackle here and there so uh, uh, didn't even do it that much but uh, yeah I mean we're joking about Dewan Jones but maybe every once in a while you know why not uh, especially with Dewan Jones you, yeah I get that's a real thing oh I'm just saying i get hurt that's a real thing. Oh, I'm gosh. I don't even want to think about Tommy Togi getting hurt. And, I mean, Dewan Jones isn't even starting on the offensive line. He's going to be a super sub. They love him. They're just so stacked on the O-line. that A guy that they love, that they know is going to be a future stud at Ohio State. And he, it's not like he's a true freshman. He's a sophomore. He's not even going to be starting this year because they're so stacked on the O-line. So, the more I think about it, and I don't know if Dewan Jones has ever played a down of – defensive football in his life but I, I imagine we could teach him to go out there and uh you know play a little nose guard here and there stop the run clog things up all right last thing uh, this is interesting i saw somebody start this on our board i wanted to ask you about this this is uh i mean it has something to do with ohio state since ohio state is a power five school backs should the power five break away from the ncaa and start its own division it's hilarious that you brought this up because I actually
0: was writing some of the bucket of bullets early for this weekend. This is a major, major subject that it's going to be in the article. So well done Dave for uh, previewing this for this weekend. Uh, I, I've been saying yes on this one for a very long time. Um, you know, I remember writing about this literally almost a decade ago here on Bucknuts, um, which is crazy that I've almost been writing for Bucknuts for a decade. So that, 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 that alone is kind of crazy to think about, but, This is something we've been talking about going back to whenever the expansion wars happened. Um, That was a time in college football when literally everybody talked about what conference was going to get what schools, right? And the reason for this was is that at one point in time, there was a school of thought that said, the conferences are going to collate into four major conferences with 64 total teams and set up perfectly for a playoff. Um, and, And that never happened. The expansion train sort of stopped because the Big 12 didn't collapse. Um, I think the big thing with Texas not leaving for the Pac-12. If Texas had, had left for the Pac-12, you would have probably seen us collate towards four sixteen team conferences. But that sort of stopped um, when Texas decided to stay in the Big Twelve. But so sort of everything calmed down for a while about that, and then the split away. You know, people kind of grumbled about it, but there's no real reason for it. Well, I think now with this impending arrival of the, uh, per, the you're liking it right where kids can make money on their own personal image while in college. They're trying to come up with some sort of system for it. I think these power five schools are going to be in position to really consolidate the talent market even more than they already have. And by that, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of these power five schools uh, as the, the their TV money only continues to increase. They're going to be in a better position to capitalize upon these kids' ability to make extra money based on their likeness. And so I, I think you're going to start my guess is there's going to be some sort of office that vets this. Like, there's going to be some sort of system says, "Hey, you want to have a TV commercial? You got to send it through the office of compliance for image likeness. That way, you don't have somebody sponsoring a strip club or something, right? Um, but you're going to end up having a lot of these kids who end up making more money through the Power Five because there's going to be some sort of guarantees for the kids who don't have the image likeness built. Like everybody thinks that, like, oh, it's going to be a big recruiting thing. Well. You know, pick a random three-star recruit, right? Like let's pick a good here's a good one. Lathan Ransom. A kid comes in from Arizona, gonna be a really good player. How much does the general public know about Lathan Ransom at this point, right? Like we have bucknuts like have known him for years. Seems like he's old, old news, right? To the, the vast majority of Ohio State fans, they don't know who Lathan Ransom is. So can Lathan Ransom expect to come into Columbus and be doing, you know, multiple TV commercials with Rikert Auto and Nationwide Insurance? No, certainly not. But there's going to be a lot of people who go, man, I'd love for, you know, to have some Ohio State players make an appearance at some event I'm putting on. Well, Ohio State's office is going to send, you know, six random Ohio State players over and they're all going to get some sort of fee. And it's going to be able to capitalize on these image likenesses at places like OSU or any of the other major schools. So I think you're getting to the point where you're going to have more of, but to do that, you're going to have to be able to have some sort of, Almost like collectively bargained agreement, if you will, between the student athletes and the universities. And I think you're going to see that divisional split between the Power Five and the rest of the country, not just because of TV dollars, but because of the way they're able to handle the image likeness money. And so, I think there's going to be a big split away happening at some point in the near future. Here, they'll still play. Like, so for example, since he's not in a Power Five team, they're still going to play Power Five schools, right? <laughs> But I do think you're going to see that happen. And I don't think it's going to be more than five or so years down the line because college football is changing a lot right now. You know, it, it's even more reliant on TV dollars. The fans not allowed to be in the stands. Players are having more and more of a stay in things. And I think you're going to have to be in a position where you can react better to it versus being stuck in some sort of archaic NCAA controlled D1 where you act like UMass is the same as Ohio State when they're just not. So I can definitely see this happening. Significant amount of money is going to end up going to players and image likenesses. And I don't think it's that far out. We may be five years or less out from the power five splitting into their own
1: subdivision, if you will. Great stuff. As always from Matt Baxendale, you can read his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. And you just got a preview of this Sunday's bucket from Mr. Matt Baxendale. Thanks again to Bax. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. As always, if you like the show, leave us a five-star review or subscribe. It really helps us out. Thanks again to the listeners. Thanks again to Bax. Have a great day, Bucknutters.